Good morning and Merry Christmas to you. We are so glad that you are here to worship with us on this Christmas Eve morning, and we certainly hope that you'll join us back again tonight for our 5 o'clock p.m. candlelight Christmas Eve service. I want to ask you if you have your go a copy of God's Word to turn with me, please, to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, as we continue our series this morning, Journey to Christmas, which, by the way, we will complete tonight at 5 o'clock. I've been reading a book here lately. I, I enjoy reading. I, I like reading different things. And I've, I just finished a book, actually, called Hidden Potential by Adam Grant. Now, that's not a, it's not a Christian book. Uh, Adam Grant is a psychologist. In fact, he specializes in organization psychology. And in his epilogue in the book, he, he tells a story about how he made it to Harvard. He, he, he wasn't sure he was actually going to be able to get in, went through the interview process, and finally got the letter that told him he was going to be, uh, he was accepted to Harvard, and he would be going there in the fall. And he said he went to several socials on the front end in order to meet different people who were going. And he found out once he was, uh, met these people who were going to Harvard, that basically there were two different extremes of people who went to Harvard. Those who really believed that they were God's gift to the world, and those who believed that they were the one mistake that Harvard made. And he said he absolutely felt like he was in that particular camp. And he goes on to say that there's actually a syndrome called the imposter syndrome. And he defines the imposter syndrome as when you don't know what it is you're doing and you're scared to death that eventually somebody's going to find out. And that's what he felt about himself that he had no idea what he was doing, and that eventually somebody would find out. Today, we're going to look at the shepherds in Luke chapter 2, and those guys didn't have to worry about imposter syndrome because everybody knew what they were like. The shepherds were considered lower class in their particular society. Uh, in, in fact, they weren't allowed to testify in a court of law because shepherds were actually guys who were known not to tell the truth. In fact, they were also guys who were known to steal a little bit. Maybe they'd be taking care of somebody's flock, and, well, just accidentally, maybe they would lose one, and, well, they'd end up with it, you know. And so because they didn't have a good uh, reputation, they weren't allowed to testify. Shepherds also weren't really considered religious people. They weren't folks who were able to go into the temple to worship because by nature of their profession, they were always around unclean things. You remember in the Old Testament, there's some admonitions about uh, being unclean and how you, you, you couldn't come uh, to worship if you were unclean. And again, because of the nature of what they did, they were always around animals, taking care of animals, even sometimes killing animals in order to protect the flock that, that they were in charge of. As a result of that, they weren't able to go to the temple, which an irony is most scholars believe that based upon where these particular shepherds were located, that probably they were taking care of sheep that would actually be used in the temple sacrifices. So that's kind of like a person maybe who works in a Bible factory but never goes to church. Or a person who maybe works uh, in a company that, that uh, makes elements for communion but never go to church and take communion. It's kind of ironic, isn't it? That these guys who would take care of these sheep who would be used in temple sacrifices wouldn't be able to come to worship themselves. They were absolutely considered outcasts. But just like we saw with Ruth and just like we saw with Samuel, they too would have a journey to Christmas. 
But the shepherd's journey to Christmas began with an ordinary night. It would be something they didn't expect at all. But God would bring it right to them. With your Bibles open, will you please stand as we look together in Luke chapter 2. Being Christmas Eve, we'll go ahead and begin in verse 1, though our text primarily will be verses 8 through 20. Luke records for us, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Well, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. You may be seated. Oh yeah, their journey to Christmas began with an ordinary night, but what began as an ordinary instantly became extraordinary. I mean, in a hurry. Can you imagine these old guys? These old guys who spent their nights out in the fields, who made their living taking care of sheep, probably weren't the smartest guys in the village. These guys were out there camping out, basically is what they're doing. And then all of a sudden, an angel stands before them. And when the scripture says in verse 9, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, the glory of the Lord is oftentimes looked at as similar as what we're familiar with, the Shekinah glory in the Old Testament, which should be a bright light showing that, that God is encountering them, God is doing something. And so when it says the glory of the Lord shone around them, there's an angel standing before them and they are encircled with the glory of the Lord or encircled with a bright light. Can you imagine what those old boys must have been thinking? And then all of a sudden, this angel begins to speak to them. And after the angel speaks to them, then all of a sudden, a multitude of the heavenly host appear before them. Next thing these guys know, they are sitting on the front row of carols by candlelight out in the fields at night outside of Bethlehem. 
And you know they don't know what in the world to think about that. But what we see is that God sent them a message that he had a gift for them in Bethlehem. The first Christmas gift. How about that? And isn't it interesting that God didn't send this messenger to anybody who would be worried about an imposter syndrome. They didn't have anything to pretend to be. Nobody thought anything about them at all. He didn't send the message to the religious leaders, didn't send the message to royalty. You know, that may be because you remember Jesus would later talk about how it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Look at the message. Do not be afraid. Oh, you can believe they were afraid. But behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. I have good news. This is the word from which we get our English word to evangelize. So I evangelize to you. I bring you good news of great joy, which will be to all people. Well, the fact that the news is coming to shepherds first certainly proves that this would be news that would be for all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So God has sent you a gift of a Savior. He is the Christ, which means Messiah or means anointed. Remember how we saw last week who Samuel, his journey to Bethlehem began with disappointment, but he ended up finding a king, right? the anointed king, the chosen one of God. There is born to you this day in the city of David, that's important, a savior who is the Messiah, he is the anointed, and he is the Lord. Now the word Lord here can sometimes mean one who is master, but in this particular instance, because of many other instances in the New Testament, generally it's a name that speaks of deity, it's a name that speaks of God. So there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is the chosen, the anointed one, who is God. We'll talk more about that tonight. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. Now, isn't it interesting that last week when we looked at how God spoke to Samuel and told him that he was to go to find Jesse and he was to anoint a king, uh, Samuel went, but he didn't have a ton of information on the front end. These shepherds have a little bit more information, don't they? Maybe it's because these were the kind of guys who needed a little bit of extra help, right? So they know what they're supposed to go look for. Now, it's, it's, it's not unusual to be a baby born in Bethlehem, but one wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger, a feeding trough, that's probably a little unusual. But here's what I want you to see. This message that God has given them of a Savior being in Bethlehem, the sign that a Savior, that they had the ability to be saved was found in a baby. I want you to think about this with me. Jesus is God's gift of salvation for those who trust in him. Think about what the angel did not say. The angel did not say, 
want you to go to Bethlehem. And in Bethlehem, you're going to find salvation through some religious authorities. Go to Bethlehem, and when you find a Bethlehem, there's going to be a self-help book, right? Ten steps to salvation, or 12 steps to getting your life right, or eight steps to find a relationship with God. No, salvation is found in a baby. So the angel sends them this message that God has a gift for you awaiting in Bethlehem. And this gift is a baby whose name is Jesus. And through Jesus, you will experience salvation. Now let's ponder for a moment why that's true. Because this baby, God in the flesh, would be, as John the Baptist would later proclaim, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. As these shepherds were taking care of sheep to be used in temple sacrifices, this baby in the manger was God's Lamb who came to be the ultimate sacrifice, the once and for all sacrifice on our behalf. Because see, the Bible tells us that all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. Because of our sin, we deserve to be separated from God. Because of our sin, we cannot come to him, and we can't fix that on our own. Imperfection can never make itself perfection. The only way you and I can ever have our sins truly forgiven and walk in relationship with Almighty God is if God somehow provides for us a Savior. And that's exactly what he did. You see, again, these, these shepherds weren't struggling with imposter syndrome. They weren't worrying that people thought something about them that wasn't true. They weren't worried that people felt like they were religious and so they didn't want anybody to know that they were going to see a savior because they wanted everybody to think they already had everything figured out. No, these guys didn't have to worry about that at all. These guys knew they needed a savior. They knew they weren't right with God. They knew their only hope was for intervention to happen on their behalf, and they just got the news that intervention had happened. This baby, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, this baby would be without sin. Think about that. Never a sinful thought, never a sinful word, never a sinful deed. Can you imagine that? I certainly can't. And this baby who would grow up into an adult would go to the cross of Calvary as a substitute for you and for me, who had experienced crucifixion, experienced separation from the Father on our behalf so that we would never have to be separated from him again. This baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger would be wrapped in linen clothes and laid in a tomb. And on the third day, this baby would one day be an adult who was crucified and buried, but raised again on the third day. And in him, salvation could be found. But you know, this baby also would one day be the good shepherd. The one David talked about in Psalm 23 when he says, the Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. 
He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And you anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. So David would say, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a gift. The angel says, God has a gift for you in Bethlehem. Jesus, who is the Savior sent from God, has come for you. Salvation is found not in religious principles, not in a self-help book, not in a list of deeds that you need to do. Salvation was found in that baby. And so you see there again in verse 13, Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And you, knew that, you know the translation of that would be, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace toward men of goodwill, or peace upon those whom God's favor rests. You see, we, in, ex, in experiencing salvation, we are given peace with God. In our sin, we are enemies of God. But God reconciles us to himself through the sacrifice of the substitute, the lamb, Jesus. So in salvation, we are saved from our sins. We're saved from the, the penalty of our sins. We are saved from, or continually saved from the power of our sins as we grow in Christ's likeness. And one day, when we go to be with the Lord, when Christ comes back, we will be saved from the presence of sin. So we are saved from our sin. But in our salvation, we're reconciled. We have peace with God. And now he guides us as our good shepherd. What an incredible gift. And so there in verse 15, so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. So the idea there in verse 15 is they're saying it repeatedly. You know how when you get excited, you say things over and over and over again, like when you say, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. That's exactly what the shepherds are doing. Let us know, go now and see this thing that the Lord has done for us. They know without a shadow of a doubt that God has initiated this encounter with them. And they came with haste. And they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. You know, I wonder, so what about the sheep, right? Did they leave the sheep out in the fields? Did they have somebody stay back with the sheep? Poor guy, if they did. Did they bring the sheep with them? You know, tonight we're going to sing Silent Night, Holy Night. It would have been anything other than that, right, if that would have happened. I wonder what happened to the sheep. Point is, those shepherds didn't think about anything but going and finding that Savior. 
those shepherds had just heard the news of their lives. Those shepherds who were forever outsiders who never had to worry about imposter syndrome because nobody thought anything about them at all. Those shepherds knew they had just had an encounter with a messenger from God that God had sent them a gift and that gift was salvation and they went as quickly as they could and found the Savior. And notice as it says in verse 17, when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. They told everybody they could. And all those who heard it marveled, which means they wondered, at those things which were told them by the shepherds, they were blown away. Shepherds, salvation, shepherds, God would send them a messenger, shepherds, God would send them a gift. Why in the world would he send a messenger with a message about a gift to shepherds? But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Here's the significance of that. So the shepherds, when they made their instant journey to Christmas, they found exactly what God had told them would be. It was exactly as he said. Now that'll change your life. So we began by looking at Ruth and we saw that Ruth's journey to Christmas began in struggle. But in Christmas, ultimately, she found a redeemer, a kinsman redeemer, in fact. And then we looked at Samuel and we saw that Samuel's journey to Christmas began with disappointment. But he eventually found a king. These shepherds, their journey to Christmas began with an ordinary night that became extraordinary in a hurry. And their journey to Christmas led them to a Savior. All three, Ruth, Samuel, and shepherds, came to Christmas looking for something. Now, I don't really know if Ruth knew exactly what she was looking for. Samuel did, and the shepherd certainly did. Her situation was, well, in struggle, just doing the things she knew to do that was in front of her. Maybe she couldn't put her finger on exactly what she was looking for. But no doubt... They all came to Christmas looking for something. I wonder if that's you this year. Christmas is tomorrow. I wonder if this Christmas you've been looking for something. Maybe there's some uncertainty in your heart and in your mind. Maybe you're looking for some answers because life just hasn't gone the way you thought it was going to go. Maybe you've been struggling with imposter syndrome and you are looking for some kind of way out or some kind of help. Listen, the Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes that God has placed eternity in our hearts. So that looking that you have, 
that in and of itself is a gift from God. But the truth is, the gift that you've been looking for the whole time has not been found in a new job. It hasn't been, it's not going to be found in some words of affirmation. It's not going to be found in finding Mr. or Mrs. Wright. That thing you've been looking for is found in that baby born on that first Christmas. Will you be willing to leave whatever behind and come to the Redeemer and the King and the Savior? He is the one you've been looking for. Let's pray together. Fathers, we bow before you this morning. We praise you for allowing us to see in a very simple message. how much you truly love us. How you came for us. And as we exchange gifts tomorrow, may we remember the greatest gift of all, the gift of a redeemer, the gift of an eternal king, the gift of a savior. Jesus. Father, from wherever we begin our journey, I pray that today you have opened our eyes to what we've truly been looking for the whole time. Jesus. Guide us in this time of invitation this morning. In the name of Jesus, our Redeemer, King, and Savior, we pray. Amen.